Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze, and today I got a seriously cool treat for you guys. Today, I am on with Mark Goodwin, and he is the host of the Prepper Recon Podcast, as well as an author of how many series now? Uh, uh, five. Well, yes. I'll do a quick count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so, all. 17, 17 novels that I've completed. Uh, I don't know if they're, all pub- they're not all published yet, but uh, 15 wow. two, two coming out in the next few months. First of all, thank you so much for coming on the show and welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Teresa. It's an honor to be on the Unresolved Life. I have been a fan, guys, of good Christian fiction for a long time. I, I am, uh, I've read the Left Behind series. I've read other biblical series that I just have fallen in love with. And, you know, I was kind of skimming through Audible, which, by the way, guys, if you want a really good book, I mean, you guys are a good you like to listen to audio stuff. So uh, if you will go to unresolved.life forward slash book, you can get yourself a free Audible account and you can download some of Mr. Goodwin's stuff. I recommend the Days of Noah series or perhaps his just recently released, you know. Uh, Avis Crucible. Avis Crucible. Thank yeah, you. That's a, that's a novel of uh, the coming civil war in America beautiful you know you can get books like that so you know that would be unresolved.life forward slash book now moving on um let's let's start this because i mean there are so many different places we could start um first of all how did you get into authoring books and then how did you get into podcasting it's about five years ago i was uh i was uh in between, sort of in between jobs and praying about where God wanted me to go next. I, I had already started the website and had the podcast and I sort of had this book rolling around in my head and where uh, I'd been praying and fasting actually looking for direction on where God wanted me to go next. And it certainly wasn't, I certainly wasn't thinking about uh, writing a book at that time because I thought, well, this is going to be a huge time spend and uh, nobody's probably going to read it. So this might be something that I'll do. Uh, someday after I'm I'm retired or something, you know, right? And, uh, and I'm sitting in church one day, and we're in a mega church, Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, and the pastor stops one Sunday and says, "Somebody out there's got a book rolling around in their head, and you need to go home and start writing it." <laughs> oh, and of course, wow. there's there's 3,500 other people in the sanctuary, so I'm thinking this is probably not me; it's probably somebody else. But just in case it's me. <laughs> I'm going to go home and start writing a book. So, yeah, 17 novels later, uh, maybe it was me. Uh, you know, I, it, it, considering that, yeah, I, I honestly do not believe in <laughs> coincidence. Uh, that sounds like a t- uh, timing. Now, how did you actually get started on the podcast? Um, I had been listening to – I've been trying to uh, get a little bit more of an entrepreneurial uh, mindset and um, – I was listening to uh, Jerry Robinson's uh, podcast. It's called Follow the Money. And he talks a lot about entrepreneurship and, and finances and things like that. And, uh, and I've always had a, a sort of a, a interest in economics and finance and that sort of thing. And, um, and he, had a, he had a podcast. So it was called, uh, you know, Blog Your Passion. And it's like, you know, whatever you're, you're passionate about, just, you know, start a blog about it. And, uh, and I thought, oh, okay, well, that'd be cool. And so I, I started Prepper Recon and was just blogging about, about, uh, preparedness. And, um, and then that sort of morphed into a podcast because I really, I, I, I listen to more podcasts than I read blogs. And I think that that's a, that's sort of a growing trend because of people's busy lifestyles. You know, just people have got so many things going on. A lot of times they don't have a lot of time to sit down and read, but you know, they can listen to a podcast when they're, you know, driving or going to the gym or doing yard work or what have you. And I think that's also why uh, audiobooks are catching on as big as they are because it, it fits into people's busy lifestyles and, mm-hmm. uh, and you can be very, very selective about what you want to listen to and, and get it on demand. So started doing that and it's just been growing and growing. We just had our fifth anniversary for the Prepper Recon podcast. Uh, for the uh, the first episode was uh, just about five years ago this week. For definition's sake, Prepper Recon, what what are we talking about there? 
what, well, what we ta- we're talking about preparedness. We talk a lot about general preparedness for, you know, disasters and uh, and uh, whether they be man-made or natural disasters, being being ready and being prepared for things like that. Uh, but uh, it's also morphed into to talking a whole lot about conservative issues and uh, freedom issues, things of that sort, because I think that that's, that's one of the things that we have to be most prepared about. And that's, that's the reason I wrote Ava's Crucible, because I think one of the biggest threats that we have in America right now is this, uh, this uh, communist agenda that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's coming against uh, conservatives. And uh, if, you, if you look at every communist revolution around the world, it's, it's, it usually culminates in some form of genocide. So, you know, I think that that's probably one of the biggest threats that America faces right now. Well, aren't we already, I mean, wouldn't you say we're already, to a degree, already engaging in it? I mean, we kill a bunch of unborn children as it is. Yeah, sixty million since uh, since Roe v. Wade, and uh, uh, the approximate daily count is three thousand two hundred and eighty-eight. So that's that's mm-hmm. more uh, innocent children killed every single day than than nine eleven and uh, Columbine and uh, Sandy Hook and uh, um, the Parkland shooting. You put all those together, it doesn't it doesn't come up to what we kill every single day in abortion mills. And that gets no play in the media, of course. But uh, what's probably more troubling is it gets no play in the pulpit. And I think that that's, that's one of the, the, the big problems in America is that we're just not getting um, any call to action from the church leaders. Well, I think, why do you think that is? I think it doesn't sell. I think that it doesn't fill up the pews and I think it doesn't fill up the coffers. And I think that there's just so much complacency and, uh, and pastors that are afraid to, to uh, step into the realm of politics that, you know, they're afraid they're going to offend somebody. And, you know, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword, you know? So sometimes you got to tell people the uncomfortable stuff and be truthful. Well, don't you think it also has to do with that that five hundred one c three that we've been told? I don't think so because that's not something that's really enforced. And uh, if you had a congregation that was really being fed the word, that was really really being um, told the truth, and they they really if they really believed in heaven, if they really thought that we were really only on this earth for about seventy, eighty, maybe a hundred years, if you're if you're really really blessed. And then after that is eternity, which is 10 million years times 10 million years times 10 million years times infinity. If they really thought that we were just living we're, and they were living for that side of eternity, I don't think they would be worried about the tax deduction. And I think that uh, most churches could just wad up their 501c3 and, and toss it in the garbage if it became a problem, which it's, it's something that's, that's never been pursued. So they fear man more than God. That's the mm. problem. Admittedly, I've only read one series. Um, I read the uh, Days of Noah series, which I have to say was very well written. Thank um, you. It was very enjoyable. You write from a very interesting uh, perspective. You write what's known as faction, which means you actually put facts inside the book, correct? Like you base it around facts. Yes. What kind of facts? Can you kind of give an example of some of the facts that you, you actually place within your books? That maybe people wouldn't know. Hmm. Well, let's see. For for days of Noah, I used to, I used a lot of things in there that that uh, the things that I was I was watching in the culture. There was the uh, Department of Children and Family Services uh, that that takes away the child um, in in the uh, in in the book because they're homeschooling, you know. And uh, this this idea, while I don't know if we've seen that yet, we've seen very similar things, and we've seen this progression into that direction. So, so I'll take a fact, I'll take something that I that I've seen in you know historical precedent in America, and I'll try to project that forward on this uh, this liberal trajectory that our country's been following for over four decades since we took the prayer and the Bible out of school and uh, and passed in. Uh, 
and allowed the Roe v. Wade decision to stay on the books for for 40 years, this trajectory that we've been following. So we, we had the little girl up in, um, I don't I can't remember if it was Maine or Massachusetts, but her, her parents had taken her to the doctor. The doctor missed something and uh, another doctor uh, diagnosed her as having a problem and, and called DCF and, and said, well, they shouldn't even be the parents because you know, the other doctor didn't find this. And we've seen this idea of the state setting itself up as God. And and that's very, very similar to what we saw in Babylon, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar and, you know, wanting to be seen as a God. And in many ancient cultures, we've seen that in, in Egypt and in all of these uh, sort of mystery Babylon type uh, religions and, 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 and government systems that we've seen in history are like that. And, and I think that that's what we're going to be looking at in the end times in this idea of a, of a, of a government that wants to be God. And, and so I think that that's certainly the direction that we're moving in. So I'll, I'll, take, I'll take little bits of, of news items like that and project them into the future. You also did it in relation to, because I think, you know, going back to the Days of Noah uh, series, I read that and then I read the uh, Days of Elijah series, which is Again, very well written. Um, but one thing that really struck out to me was the idea that being a creationist was essentially criminalized. You see that nowadays, but I don't think people realize um, how much of a, under attack our belief in creation and in the inerrancy of God's word really is. Yeah, there was... Uh... Man, I can't I can't remember the guy's name right now, but he's a uh, he's he's a comedian. He was he was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and he did a uh, he did a documentary called Expelled, and um, and uh, it was a very factual documentary. But it talked about the education system where you can't you can't even get a job in in any of the uh, most of the the big colleges in America if you believe in intelligent design even so uh it's 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 that bad to where you know they're they're shunned now but i mean that's that's the direction we're we're attacking in is for now it's you're you're shunned if that's what you think but soon it's going to be illegal for you to to say that you know right now in america if you think that two boys can't get married or two girls can't get married if you think that you're shunned for thinking that but in Canada, if you say that out loud, it's illegal. It's hate speech. Mm. You can be fined or imprisoned. Uh, of course, you know, Kim Davis went to jail for it, and we've had uh, several people in America lose their jobs over it. Um, Sweet Cakes Bakery sued out of business for it. So we're sort of at that precipice right now to where we're in between the shunned and illegal stage. So that's, that's certainly the, the direction that we're moving for, you know, if, if you believe the Bible at all. And you write not so much from a uh, pre-tribulation point of view. I go to a church where they believe in uh, pre-tribulation, you know, they kind of call it a major, like a, it's a doctrinal statement. And so, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, and so naturally when I kind of go, I'm not so sure, believe me, that's caused quite a conversation. Uh, um, yeah, I, I was on staff at a church where I had to sign a, a statement of faith uh, that that said that I agreed with uh, with a, a pre-tribulation rapture, and I had to write an entire addendum to put on that that said I believe in the possibility <laughs> of a pre-tribulation yeah, rapture. Yeah, I, because I, I, I think it's possible, <laughs> and and uh, you know I'm a big fan of uh, of Chuck Smith who who started the Calvary Chapel movement and and he's he, he's he makes some really really good arguments for for the possibility of a pre-tribulation rapture but then there's there's some other verses that that it's very very difficult to uh reconcile with those pre-trib verses so yeah, I'm a I'm a pan tribber, so that just means that uh, I I believe it will all pan out when Jesus comes. And that's not <laughs> it's not a cop out. It's just saying that you know what I don't understand everything in there. I've and and you know I've written I've written seven books on the uh, on the subject, so it's not something that it's not for lack of research <laughs> that, right. that that I don't that I don't have uh, this this uh, uh, chiseled in stone 
viewpoint about about when Jesus is coming back uh, in in uh, relation to the tribulation. But I think there's there's a there's a I would rather be mid trib and be wrong than be pre trib and be wrong. And and you know and you could be pre trib. Uh, but you could still look around at the things that are going on in this nation. And, you know, Kim Davis has already been to jail for her faith. Right. And, and uh, Coach Joe's lost his job. And like we just mentioned, Sweet Cakes Bakery, they've they've lost their libra- livelihood. And, and, you know, the list goes on and on and on of people that are being persecuted for their faith well, in America. Re- right. So, and, and if you, you know, look around the world, I mean, just recently, Pastor Brunson has been sent back to prison in a really bad prison in uh, Turkey. None of these folks got raptured out before times got tough. So you got to be, you got to be, you know, maybe we'll get out of here before the brimfire, uh, hellfire and brimstone starts falling out of the sky. But things could still get really, really dicey as they have for Christians in China and the Middle East and North Korea and uh, India now. It's very, you know, their, their new president, Modi, is very, very anti-Christian. Mm. And, uh, and as it's becoming, you know, and as it is now in, in Canada where you're, you're very, you're very uh, regulated on what you can and can't say in regards to scripture and, and, um, and as it almost was in Houston, if, if, if the mayor would have had her way, to summon all of the uh, sermons of, of the pastors in the city. Right. I remember that. It's coming. It's coming. And, and we haven't been snapped out of here just yet. So you, you, you could be pre-trib and you can hang on to that, but you need to temper your expectations of what that means because we're going through tribulation. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. Right. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Right, right. Well, see, I mean, and and one of the biggest arguments that I know that a lot of people have is the Antichrist will be the one to to, uh, sign this new seven-year covenant. Therefore, you know, uh, but and, 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 you know, we're not going to, you know, we won't be here for that. That's like one of the biggest arguments that I have heard and not the only argument, but one of the biggest, you know, and I'm like, okay. I mean, obviously, it, you know, when you look at the Bible as a whole, there are certain events that are written in stone. Yes, these events are going to happen, i.e. that there are going to be periods of tribulation. There are going to be seven years of tribulation. There are going to be the two witnesses. There is going to be this guy that comes on the scene called the Antichrist. We are going to be raptured and so on and so forth. But am I wrong in thinking the events are listed, but the timeline is not? Yeah, I mean, I think there's clues as to, you know, how they're going to fall in relation to each other. But I, I think it's going to be something that's going to be a lot easier. Prophecy is one of those things that's so much easier to uh, interpret uh, when it's when it's in the past. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. No and, kidding. You know, and uh, and and I think and a lot of people are going to end up looking kind of dumb that, that we're, you know, overly and unduly um, – dogmatic about their interpretations when you look at the church and then you look at the world today what are some of your biggest concerns the the complacency the general complacency of of the church it's uh it's horrific in america you know i don't think it's like that in in persecuted countries Mm. in um uh places where where, you know, we're just Laodicea. Jesus said, you know, you think you're rich and you're not. You're poor, you're blind, you're you're filthy and you're naked. Buy from me, you know, salve for your eyes so you can see, you know, and, and clothes so you won't be naked, you know. And that's the thing about being deceived is you don't know you're deceived. Mm. If you if you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be deceived, you know. Right. And and Laodicea, whoever they are, whether it's you know, I mean, there was there was a church in, in Laodicea that 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 letter was actually written to. But you know, if that's also emblematic of another church age of the last church age of this church age, and if that's the American church today, you know, largely most of the pastors have no idea that the American church is is Laodicea. Well, could that, that also not that, be said of the European church? I mean, if you look at it, it's like it's so far away from what it used to be. The European church is existing in a, and this is something that's funny. 
um, the European church is, uh, is existing in, in a, a post God culture where people just laugh at you if you believe in God, you know? And I, I think that they're not even viewed as a threat because just people just kind of laugh them off as, as, you know, being a little simple, uh, you know, as, as, as somebody that still believes in Santa Claus or something, you know, that's how, mm-hmm. that's what they look at. That's how they look at them. Uh, but the, the, the churches that are there, my wife's from, uh, from Paris. And the last time she took a, a longer trip, uh, home to Paris, which was probably nearly a decade ago, that was, you know, more than a couple of weeks. Uh, she attended a, uh, assemblies of God church while she was there and, and it was on fire. Mm. But, you know, very, very few and far between and, and very, very difficult to find. But, but for the most part, uh, churches in France are museums, uh, places to go visit, uh, photo opportunities, uh, uh, or, or they're being converted into, you know, uh, restaurants or nightclubs or, or people's houses or something like that because they're just empty. People just don't go to them. They just don't see that as that's just not something they even do. Mm. But but where the European church was 40 years ago, that's probably where the American church is now to where it's just it's just become so utterly lukewarm that I'm sure Jesus is very, very, very close to just wanting to spit us out of his mouth. That that's interesting. So you're saying the European church oh 40 years ago. That that is not a very big span of time in comparison. No. No, and you if you look at if you look at America now and if you look at um the Bible belt, people go to church because everybody goes to church in the Bible belt. Mm-hmm. And uh and in in so many more rural places and 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 conservative places, a lot of people just go to church because that's just what you do. You know, when I was in Fort Lauderdale at the one of the church, the church that I went to there, mm-hmm. um, it was very much on fire because Fort Lauderdale is a very, very it's 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 under so much pagan influence there that you know there's just a, a lot of nightlife scene and and uh, it's very liberal and and all of that, which is largely why we left. But the people that go to church there. Uh, you know, you're already sort of an outcast. If you go to church, if you live in Fort Lauderdale and you go to church, you know, for, for most of the people in your circle outside of church, you know, they already look at you kind of weird because you go to church because people don't go to church there. So if you're going to church there, there's, there's something more in you driving you to go than just because it's the, it's the social thing to do like it is in the Bible belt. So Mm. that automatically sort of kicks you up a notch in your, your uh, spiritual connection because you're around other people that want to be there. They're not just there because it's what you do. It's something that's got to be very personal, you know, and uh, you know, Hebrews tells us not to forsake the the gathering together with each other. And so church is a very, very important thing. When I think probably even more important than that should probably be a prerequisite to going to church is reading your Bible every day. Because if you don't understand that book, if you don't, if you don't have a grasp of what God's trying to tell you personally in there, there's a very, very good chance that you're just going somewhere and you're being deceived, and you're being told a a a bundle of lies that is taking you to hell as quickly as just going out to the club every night anyway. So you know, we just recently had Pope Francis declare that that hell's not real, despite so many. Uh, verses from Jesus where, where he, he elaborates on what hell's like. And, you know, in those verses where he says, you know, uh, it's better, it's better to have to lose your hand than to be cast into hell. It's better to have your eye cut out than to be cast into hell. It's better to cut off your foot than to be cast into hell where he says it over and over and over. Don't go to hell. Don't go to hell. Don't go to hell. You know? And so here's the man that's supposed to be the vicar of Christ saying there is no hell. So where does he get his authority, you know, because he's claiming that it's coming from Jesus, from the Bible, and, and he's contradicting those, uh, Jesus and the Bible. Where's his authority come from? 
that's something that, that that folks really need to be doing. And it's not just it's not just the Pope. You know, there's so much there's so much bad doctrine in so many churches, and there's so much complacency in so many churches that you've got to be reading that for yourself. You've got to get a really, really good understanding of that so that you'll know that if you're even in a church that's even telling the truth or even believes the truth. If you don't know what it is, you don't have that, you don't have that plumb line yourself. You don't have the, the knowledge of how to use that to see if, if, if you're being lied to or not, then, you know, that's, that's, that should be your number one priority. Amen. Amen. And I mean, so, I mean, there's just so many different ways that we could go. I mean, I actually, I was like, are you kidding me? Because I mean, if you think about what the Pope said about the idea that there's not a hell and, you know, we covered this in a, a previous episode, but you know, something to consider if, 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 if there is really no hell and he is supposed to be the representative of Christ, then what he's saying in effect is that, well, Jesus Christ changed his mind and I'm his representative because yeah. there's no hell, even though he said he wrote it in the Bible, but he changed his mind and has decided there's no hell. Uh-huh. I mean, it, doesn't that isn't that indicative of? I mean, because a lot of people, if you look at the church, it's like the, the 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 idea of hell isn't the only area where we say, well, God was wrong. Tell me about your your books. You wrote um you wrote Days of Noah, and then you wrote a whole bunch of other books. Can you kind of give us an idea of what they're about? I did a series called Seven Cows, Ugly and Gaunt. Uh, which is, of course, that's uh, you know when the Pharaoh had the had the dream, um, when when Joseph was uh, was in the prison and he brought him up out of the prison to interpret the dream. You know, he dreamed of of seven cows that came up out of the out of uh, the 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 river, and uh, they were fat, nice looking cows. And then these these skinny and gaunt cows came up and ate the fat cows, and he wanted to know what the interpretation was. And Joseph tells him that that's you know, seven years of plenty that are going to precede seven years of famine. Right. And so uh, I, I use that. And, and, and the uh, protagonist in that story, Danny, has a prophetic dream about an EMP that's going to come. And it's, it gets, it's related to uh, Pharaoh's dreams in, in, in several different levels. Uh, but the, the main, the main uh, storyline there is that, you know, they've got this opportunity to get prepared before the EMP hits. And they know that they're going to have this time of famine after the EMP because the EMP commission, which is put together by Congress, uh, predicts that about 90% of America will die out in the event of an EMP. So it'll be unlike any famine we've ever seen because we just don't live in an agrarian culture anymore where people are able to just go out and plant corn or wheat or tomatoes or, or anything and be able to sustain themselves. Uh, 90% of the population lives in, in, uh, in uh, metropolitan areas and uh, would be completely uh, unable to provide for themselves in, in the event of some type of catastrophe like that, because it would be decades before they would be able to put the lights back on if we were struck by an EMP. Uh, there's no water, there's no grocery stores, there's no nothing. So, you know, everything will melt down to ca- into chaos within within hours of uh, of the attack like that. So it's one of those things you either get prepared before it happens or not at all. That one um, is a four book series of, uh, you know, how they get prepared, what society looks like after the EMP and, and, uh, and how they get through it. And, uh, and that's available on audiobook. And you mentioned that you've got your code for, for listeners that they can go and get that, that free audiobook. So, uh, Seven Cows Ugly and Gaunt is actually a four book series. So if they go get that, that free trial code, uh, that you gave out at the end, at the beginning of the show, they can use that and actually get four books with that one free code. So, uh, I think it's about, about 28 hours of, uh, of entertainment there. So. Mm, mm. And then you've also written uh, uh, one on the economic side, and then you've also written this Abus Crucible one. Do you want to talk about those real quick? Sure. Yeah, uh, the Economic Collapse Chronicles is uh, is based basically on uh, the inevitable. The only thing that would avoid an economic collapse in America is some other more catastrophic event 
that circumvents it. So the only way, you know, if, if you look at the math, if you look at the numbers, the only way we can not have an economic collapse in America is to get hit with an EMP, uh, some type of a meteor, uh, a civil war, something that, that so dis- derails the country that that's not an issue anymore. But right. barring all of those disasters, then the economic collapse is the one that's baked into the cake that we cannot escape because the, the numbers, we just we can't do it. We've got, we've got so many cities right now that are just on the precipice of, of bankruptcy because they can't, uh, they, can't, they can't cover their pension funds that, that they already owe money on. We're now at 100% of debt to GDP as a country. Interest rates are rising, which you know soon we'll have. If if interest rates normalize, we'll be we'll be using a, a, a huge portion of of our our uh, tax receipts that we that are brought in by the by the IRS just to service the debt. So, right. the, the continued spending that we have to do is it, it can only come from borrowing. And at some point, people quit lending. So then our, 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 only, our only way around that, the only way to delay it then is to just print more money. And at some point, when you keep printing more and more money, then you get what they had in Zimbabwe, where you know, you've got $50, $50 trillion bills that won't buy you a stick of gum wow. because the, the currency has been so devalued. And and then you know people just they 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 treat it like monopoly money and it's just it's not real to them anymore so people don't trust the currency and and it's a confidence game when the confidence is up that's that's when the game's over. And then you've also written this Avis Crucible and what what is that one about? Because that one's your recent one, right? Yeah, it is. That one's about uh, this this conflict that we're seeing now between the left and the right that. I guess uh, the we started to really, really see it in the the 2016 elections. They were so contentious. We saw so much division between the left and the right. We've seen so much violence against Trump supporters, and we've seen so many mayors tell their police forces to stand down and allow Trump supporters to be to be abused, to be uh, beat up and uh, and harassed and. Uh, We've never seen anything like that before in America, and and so it's certainly the most the most uh, contentious period we've been in since the first Civil War, mm-hmm. and and I don't see you know <laughs> barring some other disaster that circumvents it, I don't see how we can we can avoid a civil war because we're on that trajectory. When we look at the the rhetoric that came out of the uh, the Parkland shooting. Um, the uh, march for our lives and, and all of that for gun control, we're, we're seeing that division just in spades of people that uh, that are so polarized. There's no middle ground whatsoever. Everybody is mm. very, very. There's there's this huge chasm between the left and the right in America, and it's growing every single day. You know, and it's the thing that that, that pushes so many people on the on the right that. Perhaps wouldn't be such big Trump supporters, but <laughs> because of because of the way that that he's he's treated by the left and uh, and the lies and 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 this 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 constant thing about the the Russia scandal that's been going on uh, by the media and the assault by the mainstream media against him and and the, the things that we see within the deep state with uh, with the FBI and, and trying to take him down, you know. Uh, despite the things that we know that are true, the Stormy Daniels type stuff, you know, we find ourselves standing up for somebody that's that's really n- doesn't have that strong of a character. <laughs> so, right. uh, and and it's that division of you know everybody feels it. Everybody feels it. You know, the we're, we feel how dangerous it is to even get in that middle ground of saying. Yeah, well, you know what he did with Stormy. That's really that wasn't really right. But but what the what the media is saying about him, you know, that's that's not true at all. The, the, and, and it really pu- it really pushes. I mean, to bring this back, it really pushes someone who might be a, a faithful churchgoer. Maybe they're a follower of Christ, and they're really in a position because they're kind of going, "Man, I don't want I don't want involved in all this political junk." But it just seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. 
Yeah, but I mean, I think that's a big part of our church's problem is they don't want to get involved in political junk. And, you know, the, the uh, 3,288 children that are slaughtered in, in abortion mills every day, that's political junk, you know? And, and if, you, if you hate politics, at least get involved in it, at least vote, at least be involved in it until we can, until we can save those children's lives. And once Roe v. Wade's overturned, then go back to, you know, uh, scrapbooking and, and baseball and, and whatever else it is that you fill your time with and that, that you would rather do than politics. Once we got that overturned, then you know what, then I'll rubber stamp you and, and you can go back to doing whatever you wanted to do. And you can say, <laughs> I don't want to be involved in politics, but until, until Roe, as long as Roe v. Wade, as long as that decision stands and as long as there's not a constitutional amendment to provide uh, the protections of citizens to to our most vulnerable, the children in the womb. Uh, you cannot be if you if you. I don't. I'm not sure you're a Christian if you're not involved in politics. I think you should probably question your salvation if that doesn't bother you. If that doesn't if that doesn't hurt your conscience, because you know the things that hurt, that break God's heart should break our hearts. If we're truly Christians, if we're truly His children, then that should that should be something that 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 plagues our minds and vexes our souls. And if it Amen. doesn't, I think that you you should really really uh, do some some prayer and some fasting, and and make sure you're in the faith. Because you know, as we said. If you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived because if you did, you wouldn't be deceived. You know, I wrote a, a book or not a book, but like a piece of poetry because I tend to write a lot of music and I haven't written any in, in a while. But one of those I wrote was, um, uh, what have we become? A new Babylon version 2.1, sacrificing our young upon the idol of Moloch. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that to me, I mean, if you look back uh, back when, um, you know, back to ancient Israel and you look at uh, how they sacrifice their children, to me, I think we're doing the same thing, except it's on the altar of choice. And they still went to temple. Yeah. They still did their sacrifices to Jehovah. It's just they were doing both. They thought they had this idea that they were going to live in both worlds. And that's what the, the entire, well, not the entire book, but a good third of, of uh, the book of Isaiah is about is this, you know, God calling them out for, for being so double-minded. Well, aren't we doing the same thing? I mean, if you look Precisely at... Precisely uh, the same thing. Aren't we doing the same thing? We do the same thing when, uh, you know, the church starts getting involved in gay marriage. I mean, um, you know, and, 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 and well, you know, hey, I, you know, they love each other. Why can't, why, you know, why should we be so dogmatic about that? Because God said, "Don't do it." You know, it's not me. Don't don't beat me up over it. Don't don't you know? I I don't really care what you do if you're not stepping on my toes. You know, <laughs> but I'm just I'm just trying to help you out here because God said, "Don't do it." And you know, in First Corinthians six nine, he said, he said, you know, and he said, and 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 ironically, Paul says, "Do not be deceived." You know, the people that do these things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And he mentions homosexuality, and he also mentions uh, adultery and fornication there. Which you know, and and Jesus said, if you if you look at another woman lustfully, you've already committed uh, adultery with her in your heart. And 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 the church is plagued with. Uh, with pornography, um, Crosswalk Magazine had a had a um, had a poll a couple of years back, uh, and this was after a uh, a men's conference that they polled the 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 men at this this huge Christian men's conference. Fifty percent of the pastors polled admitted to looking at porn once in the last year. Wow. Fifty percent of the men at the conference, not not pastors or or deacons or or just the the general uh, congregants that had attended, admitted to looking at the at porn once in the last week. Wow! So this is the church that fifty percent and and you know I'm just guessing. If you look at porn, there's a really good chance that you might lie about it. Huh. Yeah. Just a bit. So the numbers are probably 
some number above 50%. So, I mean, so that's okay. more than half of the pastors and more than half of the congregants that are looking at porn yeah. in the church in America. We're Laodicea. <laughs> I, I, yeah, wow. I mean, that's just, it's just massive. So, given everything we've covered, and I'm sure there's a lot more we could cover, what can we take away that we can fix now? Well, we need to get prepared. And your number one preparedness step needs to be spiritual preparedness. Mm-hmm. Jesus said in John 15, he said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So it's not the pornography. It's not the adultery. It's not the homosexuality. It's not your drug addiction. It's not whatever your thing is that that you think, I'm going to go to hell because I do this, or they're going to go to hell because they do that. That's not why they're going to hell. They're going to hell because they're disconnected from the vine. If you've got bad fruit, if you're not bearing fruit, if you're not bearing, you know, Galatians 5 tells us the fruit of the Spirit is, you know, uh, peace and love and joy and goodness and faithfulness and and patience and self-control and all these things. If you don't have those things, and and I don't have those things perfectly, but I, I'm trying to grow in them and I'm trying to stay connected to the vine. So just the Holy Spirit in me, Christ in me is, is producing more and more of that fruit every day and less and less of that old fruit of the flesh, you know, in Galatians 5, it also tells you what all the, the fruit of the flesh is. But if you're disconnected from the vine, you're bearing fruit of the flesh. And Jesus said, those branches is if you do not abide in me and I do not abide in you, you're like dried branches. He said, such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire. And some people will tell you, well, that's the refiner's fire. So uh, I, I'm going to challenge you and say, dried branches don't get refined by fire. Silver, uh-huh. get, silver gets refined by fire. Dried branches get consumed by fire. So, uh, I'm not so sure. I think it's the same fire. I don't think there's this. Cons- I don't think there's this consuming fire and this refining fire. I don't think there's two different fires. I think there's one fire, and I think what it does to you has to do with the material that you put in it. Amen. You know, Paul talks about you know our deeds will go in, and some things will be uh, will be tested by fire, and you know some will come out of silver and gold, and others uh, will be consumed that are wood, hay, and stubble. So. You know, it's the same fire that Paul's talking about in that in that that section of scripture. So what we got to do is we got to get connected to the vine. Don't think about don't think about your your pornography addiction, your drug addiction, and 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 all these in your homosexual tendencies, or or you know you're you're living with your your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever. You know, think about getting connected to the vine. Ask God to change your heart, to change your desires, and then start reading your Bible every single day and do it the first thing before you do anything else. Give them the first fruit of your day and then, and then, and then pray because it's real because God's right there. He's there to listen to you and, and he'll, he'll, he'll listen if you, if you call out to him and ask him for help with the stuff. And then, and then, and then, uh, thirdly, uh, you know, everybody's got a smartphone, do something smart with it. You know, listen to praise and worship music, you know, whatever style you like, you know, and, and, and listen to some good, good godly teaching. If you don't know a good godly teacher out there that really teaches the Bible, because that's getting to be a, a bigger and bigger challenge these days. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned, uh, Pastor Chuck Smith, he's, get, he's got uh, the word for today. You know, he's, he's passed on. He's, he's went on to glory. He's, uh, he's, he's got his retirement, um, but uh, he left behind the, the, the word for today. Uh, and I think it's uh, whatever the initials for the word for today is. So TWFT.com, I believe it is. And you can go there and you can listen to the sermon archives and you can l- listen to every, every uh, a message all the way from, from Genesis 1 to the last book of Revelation. The, the last chapter of Revelations, and uh, and he's got a sermon on every single one of those chapters all the way through the Bible. So as you're reading the Bible, you know, if you, you hit some stuff where you don't quite understand what this means and what that means, and, you know, he might help you with that. And then a lot of the stuff that you're going to read, if you start reading your Bible and you, you read it cover to cover, uh, a lot of it's going to just, it's going to make a lot of sense. 
Uh, some of it's going to be a little perplexing, and you can ask God to 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 help you understand that better. And then there's going to be some stuff that you know what you're just not going to get it, and that's okay. And you don't have to you don't have to find some guy that's dogmatic that thinks he's got it all figured out, you know, uh, because you don't have to understand everything, you know, and that's all right. And uh, and and. And if you if you read it for yourself and you get it wrong, God's going to have a lot more leniency for you because you just sort of misunderstood it on your own rather than you went blindly into some church and listened to some guy tell you what God means or tell you that there's no hell or, or tell you that it's okay for, for men to get married to other men or, 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 or whatever lie that they're telling you. So, Amen. Amen. So that's the number one thing is spiritual preparedness. Okay. Then the next thing you want to do is, is uh, physical preparedness. And uh, Americans are in horrific health. I think it's something like 70% of Americans are overweight and about 30% of us are obese. Um, I'm, I'm not the, I'm not the, you know, I'm not, on, I've never been on a Wheaties box myself, you know, so, <laughs> uh, but I try to stay active, you know, and it's people that, that that eat bad and they don't exercise that uh, they they drop dead every day under normal circumstances. And, and it seems like every winter we get a big snowstorm, and you get a bunch of folks out there shoveling that snow that just they're not they're not cut out for it. They're not they haven't they haven't been off the couch since last winter, and they're keeling over from heart attacks just from shoveling snow. Which is you know yeah it's 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 it's. Uh, you know, it's a big strain in the body, but you should be pushing yourself like that every week. And, you know, whether, whatever type of exercise it is, whether it's, uh, it's some, some exercise program you're watching on YouTube or whether you go to the gym, jujitsu is a really, really good, uh, a really, really good workout. They usually have some warm ups, and then you do your drills and then you've got to do some wrestling after the, at the end of the class, I just started taking jujitsu and it's, it's a huge challenge. And, uh, mm. Uh, but, uh, you know, and then that's got, you know, that you've got some self-defense, uh, um, byproducts from that as well. It's, it, it's, it's ha- might be helpful to know how to, to handle yourself in the, in the days that are, that are coming upon us. Yeah. That might be actually useful. Yeah. And then, uh, but, but whatever it is, you just need to get moving and you need to, uh, uh, get your pump, your blood pumping every day, get your heart pumping every day. Uh, try to eat a little better. Um, watch out for the sugar and the carbs and, you know, all the stuff that you know that, that isn't as healthy as, as what you could be eating. So, you know, physical preparedness and then financial preparedness. You know, one of the things we mentioned, we mentioned, uh, the inevitability of, uh, an economic collapse that's just completely baked into the cake at this point. Right. Uh, CNBC had an article last year that suggested 70% of Americans don't have a thousand dollars in saving savings. If they were to have a crisis to, you know, something goes wrong with their car or, or what have you, they, they don't have a thousand dollars saved up. And, uh, and you know, whether we're on the cusp of another recession or a complete financial collapse, uh, one thing is for sure the most likely disaster that your listeners are going to face is going to be an isolated incident that affects them personally, financially. Mm-hmm. So, you know, last year, millions of people in, in Texas and Florida had to evacuate to get out of the path of hurricanes. And, uh, you know, folks who had their financial house in order, you know, that was a minor inconvenience, but, uh, uh, folks that didn't have a thousand dollars worth of savings, you know, and, and you've got to get out of the path of a hurricane, you know, that's a real challenge. It might actually be life or death because you didn't have your financial house in order. And, you know, a lot of folks say, oh, I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't make enough. I can't do that. I can't save up uh, an emergency fund. But, you know, folks in, in China, the average Chinese worker makes $10,000 a year and they save roughly 4,600 of that. So 46% of their, their income they save. And that's on such a, a, a stripped down, restricted uh, income. You know, you, gotta, you just got to clip coupons and you got to, you know, only go out to eat for, for birthdays and, uh, and, uh, and anniversaries and, you know, and, and, and really be selective about where you go and, 
you know, and try to make stretch every dollar, you know, so you got to get on a budget to, to do that for most folks. But, um, you know, it's something that, that, that people have to do and, and, and save up that emergency fund. And that should be your number one goal is trying to get the six months of, of total, total expenses squirreled away. Wow. I guess in wrapping up, I mean, you know, when you consider the different areas that you need to, to be prepared in and all that, is there like one final message that you would want to leave with, uh, with uh, our audience here? Yeah, yeah, we covered sort of the, you know, the 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 physical and the spiritual and the financial side of prepping. Uh but then there's the classical stuff that everybody thinks of when they think about prepping and that's the, you know, the beans, the bullets and band-aids. And you know, once you've got those other three categories squared away and you've, you know, you maybe don't have to have your entire 6 months uh, emergency fund state, saved up, but you should at least have that thousand dollar emergency fund saved up before you even think about buying one thing. Uh, then you can sort of start getting into all the stuff that you think of as the the sexy prepping stuff, you know, uh, the beans, the bullets, and the band aids. But rice is really cheap. You know, you can usually pick up a twenty pound bag of rice from from a Walmart or or whatever your local grocery store is for about seven bucks. Rice will store for twenty years. Uh, you want to keep that somewhere where the bugs aren't going to get into it because weevils can get into that. If you just stick it in a, it, leave it in the, the the bag that you bought it in, the big 20-pound bag, drop that in a Home Depot bucket and slap a Home Depot lid on top of it that's one of the airtight seals, uh, you know, that, that should last 20 years. And rice is super easy to cook. You just put two cups of boiling water and one cup of rice and you simmer it for, for, about 15 minutes and voila, it's ready to eat. You know, there's not, mm. not a whole lot, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't take a really high skill set to, to cook rice and it'll keep you alive. You know, a huge portion of our planet stays alive on probably 90% of their, their diet is rice. You know, in, in South America and Asia, rice is a huge portion of the, uh, the diet. Uh, next is beans. Beans store anywhere from, from, from five to 10 years, depending on what type of bean you got. And, um, and that's cheap too. You can usually pick up a, a, a pound of beans for around a dollar dried. And uh, if you drop a 20 pound bag of, of rice in a five gallon Home Depot bucket, you're going to have a little space at the top. You can squeeze about um, eight to 10 pounds of beans on top of that, that, that rice in that same bucket. Um, wow. Wow. You know, wow. outside of that, you know, if, if you can, if you can get a home outside of the metropolitan area, you know, most people works in in and or around cities, you know. So maybe you're not you're not in the the position to be able to move out to the country or to the mountains or whatever yourself. But you know, if you can if you can be on the outskirts and not in the center of town, number one, you're probably going to get a lot more property for your money. But you're not going to be right there in the center of the chaos when things break down. And you know, if you're instead of a uh, uh, an apartment, you know, in, in downtown, uh, whatever Ville, you could probably rent a house with a little bit of a backyard where you can have a little garden. If you, if you're willing to be, to do maybe a, a 20 minute commute, That's, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to eat up your, you know, if you work in the center of town, it's probably going to, it's probably going to cost you a little bit in, in your commute time and, and gas and things like that. But uh, but not living right there at, at ground zero when things melt down, uh, I think is probably a good trade off for that. Yeah, I could I could actually see that. Um, Mark, let me tell you something. This was been this has been a wonderful wonderful interview. Thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the show. Teresa, thank you so much for having me. It's really been an honor. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.